Let's look in our Bibles once again to the book of Job. We read from Job earlier today. We'll look at it once again to Job chapter 19. I'd like for us to read verse 25 through verse 27. Our subject is stated in the verse, My Redeemer liveth. Job chapter 19 verse 25. For I know that my Redeemer liveth, and that he shall stand at the latter day upon the earth. And though after my skin worms destroy this body, yet in my flesh shall I see God, whom I shall see for myself, and mine eyes shall behold and not another, though my reins be consumed with in me. I want to mention to you that as far as we know, Job is the oldest book in the Bible, the first written of all of the Scripture as far as we know. And I'd like for you to notice in verse 25, and it's also the title of our message, what Job did say. He said, my Redeemer liveth. Note that he did not say, my Redeemer shall live, even though it would be many years before Jesus would come in the flesh. Job, back this far before the birth in Bethlehem, said, I know that my Redeemer liveth. Knowledge is a wonderful thing. But knowledge is more than simply knowing. It is having an understanding of what we do know. When we speak of an individual being knowledgeable upon a certain subject, we are inferring that they have an understanding of that subject. Knowledge. Job had Knowledge. There is some knowledge, as the Apostle Paul did tell us in 1 Corinthians in chapter 1, chapter 8 and verse 1. There's some knowledge that puffeth up. There's some knowledge that produces pride and arrogance. But true knowledge produces humility. For the more that we learn, the more that we know that we don't know. And in our ignorance, there are some things that we do not know, and we do not even know what we do not know. We are an ignorant people in so many different ways. But knowledge does not produce ignorance, but it makes us aware of our ignorance in certain matters. There are certain things that we just do not know. There are some things that is not for us to know. You remember Deuteronomy 29, verse 29, that there are some things that simply belong to the Lord God only. It's only those revealed things which belong unto us and unto our children. There are some things that we do know. 
There's some things that we do experience, but yet there are some things we do not know, and there are some things that we are not even capable of experiencing. There are some things that we're just not prepared for now. I wonder if you hold your place in Job, I'm coming back there, but in Psalm 139, and in verse 6, Psalm 139 and in verse 6, there is some knowledge which David said is too wonderful for me. It is high, I cannot attain unto it. There is some knowledge that is just too full of wonder for us to comprehend and in our present state, we simply cannot attain unto it. In our text in Job chapter 19, Job stated some, something that he knew. Something that he knew beyond any doubt. Job said, I know that my Redeemer liveth. And he followed that up by stating something that he knew that he would experience in the future. He said, in my flesh shall I see God. These are quite some statements here in our, our text in the book of Job. Job said, I know that my Redeemer liveth. And he also didn't know that the Lord, his Redeemer, shall stand at the latter day upon the earth. Job knew death was coming. He knew that corruption was coming to his body. He knew that the skin worms one day would possess his body. But he said, yet in my flesh shall I see God. As I said many times, sometimes I just put a sealer somewhere for myself just to stop and think about that. In my flesh shall I see God. And he said, whom I shall see for myself and mine eyes shall behold knowledge what was going to happen. In our present state, there are some things that we can know and, and we're capable of, but I'll say again, there's some things that are not yet for us to experience. We have the promises in the Word of God, but there are certain preparations in us that God must make in order for us to be prepared for what we are going to experience in the future. If you would be turning to the book of Revelation to chapter 1. And as you're turning, I'll mention this. In our present condition and state as we are now,
We are not capable of seeing the Lord in all of His glory. I trust that each one of us would like to see Jesus face to face. I don't know of anything I'd rather uh, experience right now than to see Jesus face to face and to behold His glory. But that's something they'll just have to wait. They'll just have to wait. I am not and you are not now capable of such an experience of seeing Jesus as He is. In the book of Revelation and in chapter 1, and I'll begin in verse 10. John said, I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day and heard behind me a great voice as of a trumpet saying, I am Alpha and Omega, the first and the last. What thou seest, write in a book and send it unto the seven churches which are in Asia under Ephesus, and under Smyrna, under Pergamos, under Thyatira, under Sardis, under Philadelphia, and under Laodicea. And John said, I turn to see the voice that spake with me, and being turned, I saw seven golden candlesticks. And in the midst of the seven candlesticks, one like unto the Son of Man, clothed with a garment down to the foot, girt about the paps with a golden girdle, his head and his hairs were white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes were as a flame of fire, and his feet like unto fine brass, as if they burned in a furnace, and his voice as the sound of many waters. And he had in his hand, right hand seven stars, and out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword. And his countenance was as the sun shineth in his strength. And when I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead. And he laid his right hand upon me, saying unto me, Fear not, I am the first and the last. I am he that liveth and was dead. And behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. And have the keys of hell and of death. John, one of the elect within the elect, one of out of all the elect that was chosen to be an apostle, to be one of the disciples of the Lord, John was very familiar with the person of Jesus Christ. He walked with him many days. He, he spent years with him. He had been one of his disciples for approximately three years. 
In the upper room, it was John who did lay his head upon Jesus' breast. It was John that stood with Mary, the mother of Jesus, at the foot of the cross. But now when John sees Jesus, Jesus in his glorified state, John fell at his feet as a dead man. Now, he did never do that before the death, burial, resurrection, and ascension of Jesus. All of the other times that John was with Jesus, John never fell at his feet as a dead man. But now, seeing the Lord in his glorified state, John said he fell at his feet as dead. Jesus in his glory is simply too much for any mortal to stand. We're just not capable of seeing Jesus as he is. The full glory of Christ is something we cannot fully imagine. We do know at the end of time there is going to be that glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. And you know that statement can be rendered, it'll be the appearing of the glory of the great God. Jesus will come back in all of his glory. But in verse 17 of Revelation 1, when John saw Jesus, he said, I fell at his feet as dead or as a dead man. He could not stand in the presence of the glorified Lord. Again, I'll say we long to see Jesus, but we'll just have to wait until we're prepared to see him as he is. Hold your place in Revelation. In that high priestly prayer recorded in John chapter 17. Remember the words of Jesus recorded in verse 24. He expresses his will to the Father. He is praying to the Father. And he said in John 17 in verse 24. Father I will that they also whom thou hast given me be with me where I am. Note the next purpose clause. That they may behold my glory. Jesus said, this is what I would like to happen. This is my desire. This is my will. But again I'll say, you'll have to wait. The prayer will be answered. We will see him in his glory. We will be with him where he is. But we're not there yet. And this petition in verse 24. will have to wait. Till the appointed time. Back in Revelation and in chapter 1. When John experienced this. When he saw Jesus in his glory, 
when he fell at his feet as dead. Notice how Jesus reacted to this. Comfort to John. In verse 17, John said, He laid his right hand upon me. Much could be said about just the touch of Jesus' hand. What comfort that would give to any saint. Just the touch of Jesus' hand. That same hand that was nailed to the tree. That same hand that still did bear the wounds of His crucifixion. That same Jesus, yet now glorified. John said, He laid His right hand upon me. And then the Lord did, did speak to John, and He said words that were not unfamiliar to John. He said, Fear not. Over and over, I'm sure John had heard Jesus speak those words to His people, Fear not. Fear not. While we are always to have the greatest reverence and godly fear of the Lord Jesus Christ, we should never be afraid of Him. Fear not. Fear not. As I've quoted on many occasions, perfect love casteth out fear. Jesus said, Fear not. Among God's people today, among our church, among saints all over this earth, there are many who are weak, many who are sick. There are many that death is not very far away. But the words of our text in verse 17 should be of great comfort. Fear not. Fear not. I am the first and the last. I am he that liveth and was dead. And behold, I am alive forevermore and have the keys of hell and of death. I don't know how it will be when I die or when you die. But I believe it will be of great comfort to know even as Job did know. I know that my Redeemer liveth. Verse 18, words of comfort. I am he that liveth. Sadly, we only sing maybe once or twice a year about the resurrection of Jesus. We serve a living Savior. But what a great knowledge that is to have. Consider the greatness of our Savior. He said twice in verse 18, I am. I am. 
I am he that liveth and was dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore. And Jesus adds an amen to this. I knew a preacher once, Brother Justice knew him. He's dead now. He used to amen himself when he was preaching. I mean, he literally would. If he was preaching, nobody else said amen, he'd leave the pulpit and run down there and say amen and come back. That was foolishness. But when Jesus amens himself, that's what he did here. He makes a statement I am the first and the last. I am he that liveth and was dead. And behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. Truly, truly. Amen. Of a truth. These things are a truth. And again, I don't know of any greater comfort for any of God's elect in any condition during this lifetime than to know that our Savior liveth. Job said, I know my Redeemer liveth. Notice what Jesus said in verse 18. I am he that liveth and was dead. No matter how glorious he may be now in heaven, he's the same Jesus when he was here upon this earth. The same Jesus. You'll notice in verse 18, he uses two verb tenses. I am he that liveth. Then he uses a past tense. Was dead. I am he that liveth and was dead. Notice the words in verse 18. When the Lord Jesus Christ tells us, as he did on several occasions, to behold something. It would do us good to stop and behold it. It's a command. Behold. Behold. There's something here of great importance that Jesus said we need to hesitate and give consideration to. He said, Behold, I am alive forevermore. I was dead. And there's simply no doubt about that. We're told repeatedly in the scripture about the death of Christ. The apostle Paul uh, proclaimed over and over again, Christ died. Christ died. We may not fully appreciate that statement that he was dead. There are some that do not believe he actually died. Just fainted, swooned, passed out. And later revived. 
I think Jesus would know better than anyone else. And he said, I was dead. He said, I was dead. Behold, though, I am alive forevermore. I want to go to the book of Romans. There are several places we could go, but I'm going to go to Romans in chapter 6. Romans and in chapter 6, keeping in mind Jesus said, I am alive forevermore. You know, I heard a preacher once in this area said that Christ died three deaths. Well, I just don't believe it. I just don't believe it. Romans chapter 6 and in verse 9, knowing, again we're speaking about knowledge, knowing that Christ being raised from the dead dieth no more. Death hath no more dominion over him. For in that he died, he died unto sin once. But in that he liveth, he liveth unto God. I want you to consider what we just read. Knowing that Christ, being raised from the dead, dieth. No more. I learn immediately just from that simple statement that if Jesus did not accomplish my salvation in that one death, it'll never be accomplished because the Lamb of God will never die again. There's no more sacrifice for sin. Knowing that Christ, being raised from the dead, dieth no more, death hath no more dominion over him. Well, for three days and three nights, it did. Three days and three nights, that precious body of Jesus Christ laid as a dead man in Joseph's tomb. A lifeless body for three days and three nights. Verse 10, for in that he died, he died unto sin once. And in that once, he accomplished our redemption and our salvation. He accomplished what he intended to do in coming into this world to save his people from their sins. And that he died, he died unto sin once. But in that he liveth, he liveth unto God. Hebrews chapter 7 and in verse 16 speaks of his endless life. Endless life. It's hard for us to imagine. We, we speak about our salvation. We know John 3.16 and other verses. 
We know that the gift of God is eternal, everlasting life, but we can't comprehend that. We are creatures of time, and our minds don't comprehend everlasting life. We just don't understand it. But we know of the endless life of Jesus Christ. Paul writes here in the book of Romans about his death. He wrote in other places that Christ died. And I'll mention here, this is our mediator that we spoke of this morning. And without this, there is no atonement, there is no salvation, there is no redemption, and there is no Redeemer. You know, there are some even among Baptists who speak of Jesus as being the Redeemer, but yet they have the idea that He cannot redeem without man's consent. I'm thankful we have a Redeemer who actually redeems. He did not just make it possible. He redeemed. He paid a ransom price for His people. When He does return to this earth, our redemption is going to be fulfilled and completed when we are redeemed from these sinful bodies and we're changed into the likeness of His glorious body. In Revelation again and in chapter 1, Jesus told John, I am He that liveth and was dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. And as if to add, John, I want you to also know this. I have the keys of hell and of death. I've got complete control of hell and of death. The precious blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. I mentioned this morning about a hymn. I'll mention another one this afternoon. The hymn writer was wrong. When he penned those words about Christ spilling his blood. I just refuse to sing it that way. Look at Hebrews in chapter 9. Hebrews and in chapter 9. And in verse 22. Hebrews 9, verse 22. And almost all things are by the law purged with blood, and without shedding of blood is no remission. When I think of something being spilt, I think of something that is unintentional, was not on purpose. But when something is shed, that's totally different. The scripture does not say without the spilling of blood. It says without the shedding 
of blood. Keeping that in mind, look in Matthew chapter 26. And notice the words of Jesus himself. And again, I'll say, I just think Jesus knew what he was speaking of. And in Matthew 26 and in verse 28, he said, For this is my blood of the New Testament, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. The shed blood of Christ. He shed that blood in his death. He said, I was dead. And we know that he was put to death in the flesh. He was put to death as our mediator, as our, our savior, our redeemer, as our surety, as our substitute. And again in Revelation and in chapter 1, Jesus said, I am he that liveth and was dead. I was dead, but now I'm alive forevermore. Hebrews chapter 7. Hebrews and in chapter 7, verse 25. Wherefore he is able also to save them to the uttermost that come unto God by him. Again, there's our mediator. You notice in verse 24, it's this man. Seeing he ever liveth to make intercession for us. He ever liveth to make intercession for us. If you want to notice, I've read it many times, quoted it many times to you. In 1 Peter chapter 3 and in verse 18, the purpose of it all. The purpose of it all. His death, what was the purpose? His suffering, what was the purpose? We're told in 1 Peter 3.18 that he might bring us to God. And it says, being put to death in the flesh, but quickened, made alive by the Spirit. The merits of the blood, the death of Jesus Christ are just as real today as they were in the days of his death. Job said, I know that my Redeemer liveth. Jesus said, I'm alive forevermore. I'm going to John chapter 14. In John in chapter 14, his life, him living forevermore, is the guarantee of our eternal life. If our Redeemer does not live forever, why would we think we would? Why would we think we would? John chapter 14 
in verse 19. Yet a little while, and the world seeth me no more, but ye see me. Then notice this. Because I live, ye shall live also. What is the cause of us living also? It's because he lives. Because he lives. He said, because I live, ye shall live also. I'll ask again, if he does not live always, why should we expect to live always? Job, I'm going back here and I'll close by reading out of Job. You remember Job, I'm going to Job 19. All of Job's troubles, all of his sorrows, heartache beyond our imagination, abuse from those who supposed to be his friends. In Job chapter 19, beginning in verse 14, Job said, My kinfolk have failed. My familiar friends have forgotten me. They that dwell in mine house and my maids count me for a stranger. I am an alien in their sight. I call my servant and he gave me no answer. I entreated him with my mouth. My breath is strange to my wife, though I entreated for the children's sake of mine own body. Yea, young children despise me. I rose, and they spake against me. All my inward friends abhorred me, and they whom I loved are turned against me. Job was in a terrible condition. What do you think it might have been that just kept Job going? Well, I think it would be in the same context beginning in verse 25. I know my Redeemer liveth. All others may forsake me and abhor me, but I know that my Redeemer liveth and that he shall stand at the latter day upon the earth. What knowledge Job had. And though after my skin worms destroy this body, yet in my flesh shall I see God. And he adds, I'll see him for myself. Job knew he would not have to depend upon second-hand information. He said, I'll see him for myself. Knowledge, knowledge. I know that my Redeemer liveth.